to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we haven't done this in a little while, a new free agent signing podcast, Punter Thomas Morstead is the latest Miami Dolphin. We'll talk about his game, and we'll also have Thomas on the podcast here, a great, great sit-down chat with the new punter of the Miami Dolphins coming your way on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So you go over Thomas Morstead's career and you're going to find a bunch of really good net averages and a bunch of balls downed inside the 20 and 10 yard lines. Basically prolific production throughout the course of a 13 year National Football League career and 12 of those years started with the New Orleans Saints, where he was drafted back in 2009, actually the second punter drafted that year. But as you'll hear from Thomas here in just one second, the Saints traded up into the fifth round to go get Morstead, and all he did for them was give him a 46.6 average over 12 years. And he also upped the ante last year, his first season after leaving New Orleans with the Jets and Falcons, averaging 47.7 yards per punt, and that was ninth best in the National Football League. He also has a Pro Bowl and a second-team All-Pro honors to his name. I talked about him being a fifth-round draft pick. That same year, he went from a camp battle, which he won, obviously, to the Super Bowl and one of the biggest moments a punter could possibly have in the Super Bowl when he dribbled an onside kick for the Saints to recover. And, of course, that was kind of the turning point in that game, 10-6 to at the halftime break. They get the onside kick, score a touchdown, lose a lead, but get the lead back later on. And that Morstead onside kick, which you'll hear from him here in just a minute to talk about, was a big, big part of that victory. And actually, that was Morstead's last game at Hard Rock Stadium. It was his second game that season, you might recall. And he came into the podcast studio and told me about this. But yeah, that's the second time I played at Hard Rock Stadium. And the last time, the first time was a game back in 09 against the Dolphins, down by 20 points. I'm like, Thomas, I know exactly what you're talking about. We lost that game. That was a brutal, brutal defeat for the Miami Dolphins. But I'm sure a nice win for you guys for the Saints. And those are the only two times he's ever played at Hard Rock Stadium. They talk about veteran leadership, and we'll talk to Thomas about this as well. And it's a funny thing for you know someone that he, he says this himself, that you don't go down and make hits, but to be a leader, not sacrificing your body like the other guys do. And just kind of the understanding and respect that he had for what his job, what his role, and the wisdom that he can impart on younger players and there's a great article up on NewOrleans.com, NewOrleansSaints.com, I should say, after he left the Saints after those 12 years. And there's all kinds of quotes in there from Thomas talking about the things that people value in leadership. You know, he's not gonna, a guy that's going to go lead the pregame huddle or anything like that, but talking about how it's unique to be a unique thing to be a leader when you don't hit people in a sport that's full of hitting. And he was a captain for the Saints from 2013 to 2020. And he said, so I try to be a teacher. I've tried to be a coach on the field for young players, tried to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. I've tried to mentor players off the field with finances and just making sure they have things that are important to make sure they're handling the awesome responsibility that they're given with making a good living. So we'll also talk about these last two things here with Thomas Morstead. There's a five things article up on MiamiDolphins.com. We'll also have Thomas here on the podcast just one second, but a couple things from the article. Go check out his charity, the, the foundation that him and his wife Lauren run. 
What You Give Will Grow. There's a great story about how that really took off back after the Minneapolis Miracle game that he was actually on the wrong side of with the Saints there. And then also a book that was written about his life called The Middle School Rules of Thomas Morstead. Go read about that on MiamiDolphins.com. And let's go ahead and not waste any more time here and get to my guest today, new Dolphins punter, Thomas Morstead. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here, the host of the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. And I'm joined today by new Dolphins punter, Thomas Morstead. Thomas, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. Glad to be here. Glad to have you in. So here in Miami, how does it all feel to, to be signed with the Dolphins and, and be a Miami Dolphin now? I'm super excited to be here. Um, you know, there's not too many places. I, you know, when I was looking at where I could potentially end up, this was kind of uh, choice 1A, 1B with one other team. So I'm fired up. My, my kids were excited. This was their 1A choice. So um, I'm excited that my family's excited about being here. What, what was the big draw for them? Uh, well, my, my uh, oldest son specifically, he loves fishing. And so uh, that was exciting yes. uh, to <laughs> well, get out here, here for that. And um you know, <clears throat> last year was, you know, I, I had a rough 2020, had to get overcome some things. And um, getting back on the saddle last year required me being gone. I signed midseason with the Jets. And then halfway through the year, I also was with the Falcons for the rest of the year. And um, it was just what was required for me to get back in, get my foot in the door and show teams that I'm back to kind of being myself and being an elite player in this league. And so that's that's just what was required. And I was away from the kids. So we, we were certainly not interested in doing that again this year. And so a huge part of where I was going to end up was, um, you know, what were the kids going to be excited about? And can we make this a fun adventure for them? Uh, you know, they're old enough to kind of know what's going on now. So yeah. we want them to be excited about what's happening and because uh, it'll be a lot of change for them. And so uh, this was their number one choice. So yeah. it's good. My daughter loves the beach. So plenty of, plenty Perfect. of things to do down here. It's Perfect. a lot of fun. So you talk about your career a little bit there. You were a fifth round draft pick and you know, anytime a specialist is drafted, it usually speaks pretty highly <laughs> of, of their abilities and skill sets. Now you're heading into year 14. Does that kind of, when you hear that, do you think like, wow, it's the journey I've been on. It's kind of unbelievable. It is. Uh, it definitely is. Um, you know, I was a tryout player in college for a few years and um, you know, the dream was to play on a Saturday one day and then, uh, I discovered the weight room and, um, you know, I saw a significant change in my body and how far the ball was going, how high it was going. And all of a sudden, you know, towards the back end of my college career, I was like, I think I could have a chance to play in the NFL and, um, was fortunate that the saints, uh, took a chance on me. They traded up into the fifth round to come get me and, um, had an, awesome career there um we still live there um it's home and you know i'm grateful to everybody in that organization um they were very good to me and so um <clears throat> you know i'm just excited to be here and uh i just I, you know i never never thought i'd go anywhere else but you know things happen and and um you know you decide if you want to keep going or uh, how important things are to you and um you know, I love playing the game. I love the, all the aspects that come with it, the training. I love the, the team camaraderie and um, just being part of a team and being depended on in critical moments is um, something that not a lot of people get to experience in, in any type of job. And so, um, you know, to be a part of that is exciting and to feel how strongly this team wanted me to be here was also exciting. Um, 
And so I'm looking forward to hopefully proving them right uh, on taking a chance on me. Yeah, it's pretty tough to replicate the uh, competitive <laughs> juices you get from playing sports. Right? You can't you can't beat that anywhere else. Yeah. You talk about being with the Saints, you know, joining a couple of former teammates here in Miami now with Teron Armstead and Teddy Bridgewater. What can you tell us about those guys? Well, Teron is, uh, you know, he's been the consummate professional. Every box you could look to check for as a team as far as what you're looking for in a person and a player, he he is he checks the box. So, um, you know, we have a little thing going. Uh, <clears throat> we always refer to each other as the real T-Stead uh, because <laughs> we once got confused in a medical thing. So, um, anyways, I'll be excited to have a little bit of familiarity with a few guys. Um, you know, only spent a little bit of time with Teddy, but he was uh, he he became beloved in New Orleans in his time there, and um, you know he was a great teammate. And um, I know he's a new dad here recently, and it, I'm excited to be around both those guys. Uh, they're great human beings. Teron had the T stead chain when I did the podcast with him. I don't see was that yours he was borrowing, or was that that's no? His? You know, I haven't had one of those made yet, <laughs> so I may have to borrow that. See if I can get a. Uh, I'd like to kind of do a, uh, you know, like a throwback picture of just his his press conference, whatever it was a week ago, and maybe borrow the chain and get that same 13 jersey on and uh, see if I can replicate it. That's incredible. I hope you can. I hope that would be, yeah. be fun to see. So you talk about, you know, wanting to be here. The Dolphins want you here. You met Coach McDaniel already. What's your first impression of him? Yeah, he's, uh, he's obviously an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, you know, I did a little research on him uh, before showing up to the meeting you know, just so I was a little bit prepared. And um, from the videos I'd seen of him before, um, you can tell he's a very, very smart guy. And, um, you know, the thing that I like about any coach or player is if you're authentic and you're yourself um, and you can help the team win, you'll be accepted. And so, um, you know, he doesn't seem like he's putting on a show for anybody. He's just being himself. And I think as long as he does that, um, you know, his ability as a coach and as a you know, as somebody who's going to develop plays and do all the things that he has to do, I'm sure it'll sh shine through as he's here. Um, I really enjoyed meeting with him. And then your position coach or, or specialist coach, Coach uh, Danny Crossman, what about him? Yeah, I would say that's the biggest reason for me being comfortable being here. Um, we sat down for a number of hours the other day and got to know each other, uh, got to know each, the language that we're going to use, uh, how he coaches things and expectations. And we're on the same page. So um, that's all you can ask for. Um, I've, I've had some really outstanding uh, special teams coach relationships, and I've had some not so outstanding ones. And the difference in performance can be significant, um, and it really matters who you're dealing with and who, uh, you know, how they operate and are we working together or are we, on, are, we, are we equals? Are we on the same team here? Are we pointing our guns in the same direction? And so um, he was, I would say he was the biggest um, reason for me being here it was just that comfort level with him, getting to know him, and, um, and I'm excited to get to work with him. Yeah, he's the best. Danny's, Danny's the very best. So yeah. one part of the game that I think, you know, I think is the least studied, and, and this is just my opinion, but is, is holding on field goals and PATs. Yep. And, you know, one thing we do on the podcast here is like to educate, and I think who better to get to, to educate us on holding sure. than Thomas Morstead. So just kind of take us through the finer points of holding in the kicking game. Yeah, so the snapper, Blake, will throw a ball to me, and I'm going to catch <laughs> it. I'm going to put it on the ground. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, our kicker, Jason, is going to make it, right? So, yeah, there's there's a lot of detail to it. Um, I would say a big thing, it's a very process-oriented thing for me as a holder because I'm kind of the quarterback of the play. I'm kind of 
typically anyways, you're the quarterback of the play running everything. And, um, and it's so much of it I found is about rhythm and timing and making everything feel exactly the same to your snapper and to your kicker on every single rep. And, you know, it's really kind of a thankless job, which is fine. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, you're you're only ever highlighted if you either run a fake or, or you botch something. And so try not to do that. Uh, you know, but I think it's like anything. You just stay in your process. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, you really have to figure out what your kicker wants and what's important to them, right? Some guys are more particular about certain things than others. And so it's just about getting to know your guy. And my job is to um, is to create an environment for both of those guys that they feel confident and comfortable at all times. And if I can do that, then I'm doing my job and I'm going to get out of the way and, and – you know, hopefully if, if Blake's doing his thing and Jason's doing his thing well, I'm just, I'm kind of an inter- intermediary, you know, I'm, 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 I'm uh, moderating, if you will. And, uh, and so it's just to kind of, <clears throat> I guess, not be seen, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. I, I think we had a Keon Cross in here. He's a special teams ace here with us. And yeah. I talked to him about Deion Sanders. You should always say on, on the NFL Network highlight show, like we're only showing the punt highlights if there's a, a, a big play or a mistake. So yeah. it's, kind of how it goes that way so 12 years with the saints slash year you, you end with the jets after a stint with the falcons as well Jet, jets first then jets Falcon first seconds. Falcons. Yep, my apologies yep, yep. um so i was curious because you know you'll you'll possibly have some games here with the dolphins up in the northeast in december thanksgiving holiday yep. like around when the weather gets kind of crummy uh was it a good chance last year for you to get an experience kicking in some some bad weather yeah i mean i played up in buffalo uh right towards the end of the season and that was kind of an extraordinary game it was snowing and windy and cold and i had i had never played in a game quite like that um but it, it's it's more than anything it's about um you know i've played in every kind of scenario uh other than snow up until that point um and so <clears throat> you know it's you know I, when i was a young player i used to check the weather every day and kind of was get you know anxious about it and and you know i've seen and done it all and, you know, their guy has to play in it too. Right. So you can't get caught up in, in, in keeping a certain stat line up throughout the year. You just need to provide value and take what's there and make the plays that are there to be made when you have the chance to make them. And you can't do anything more than that. And I think uh, it's, it's, you know, it's all about providing value to your team on game day. And sometimes, sometimes a 40-yard average is a, is a great game. You know, sometimes it's a you're playing a great returner and the coach is asking, hey, we need this ball out of bounds every time. And that's the standard. Sometimes, you know, sometimes a, a 50 yard average wasn't a good game. It, you know, it just depends on what the coaches are asking you to do and not having an ego. I think if you if you can, you know, I had kids years ago now, so I've lost my ego a long time ago. <laughs> uh, so I think once you lose your ego, um, it's just about doing what's best for the team and. And uh, that's all it is. Yes, context is always very, very key. And I, yeah. you, you talk about that. And I get the veteran kind of experience from you there in that standpoint. This is a pretty young team that you're coming here with the Miami Dolphins. But you have the elite <laughs> distinction of being, now, I'm not, I hope I'm not stuck on your toes here, but the most veteran player on the roster, the oldest guy. Yeah. You're the old guy now. So how will you approach that leadership role you have here, not just with the specialists, but across the roster as someone that has so much experience and wisdom in this league? Yeah, look, um, <clears throat> I think the best way to talk about that is to say, hey, you know, I don't go, at least this very infrequent, am I going down and hitting people, right? So I'm not sacrificing my body in a similar way that a lot of other guys are expected and, and do. Um, I, you know, 
I think the world of, of anybody that plays in this league. It's a demanding, demanding league. And, um, and so I've never been a, a raw, raw guy. Um, you know, I work my ass off um, when I train with the team. I think guys will see that. Um, they're going to see a strong older guy. They're going to see a strong older guy and a guy that runs well and a guy that's going to train hard. And so that's one of the ways I try to earn my stripes. And then, um, and then obviously performing well on game day is a huge thing. You know, um, you've got to get it done. And guys need to know they can depend on you. And those two things are critical. Um, as far as the other stuff goes, you know, I feel like one of my roles for a number of years now has been to um, try to get young guys to speed their learning curve up quicker than it otherwise would happen. And um, it's unique because I, once I learn how Coach Crossman coaches and the technical terms that he uses and how he does his philosophy with all those guys, I can um, then kind of be another voice um, and help guys hopefully get them moving along a little quicker. Um, and I have a huge vested interest, not only from a team standpoint, we want everybody doing well, but selfishly, you know, I want guys that are out there that know what they're doing because you know there's a punt is not just catch it and smack it down the field and pray that somebody makes a tackle right there's a uh there's a uh it's a it's a jazz session right it's 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 choreographed but there's chaos right and so um if everybody's again on the same page and everybody understands what everybody's role is you have a greater chance for success and so i'll, I'll hope to be a resource for all those guys and then um and then last way, I, I think just, you know, being somebody that has, you know, been fortunate to play in this league a long time and save money. And, um, you know, I, I love getting with younger players and making sure that they're not being foolish with, uh, the, you know, the financial opportunity that they have and just helping them along with that and how to think about things and make sure you have an accountant, make sure you have somebody that's helping you with these things. And, um, I love to be a resource for guys in that way as well. So now you are the veteran, but back when you were a rookie, one of the biggest moments of your entire career, we, we talked about this a little bit, the, the onside kick in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I read a story about it. I was just doing some research on it, and it said that you maybe you were a little bit nervous at the time. Sure. Talk, talk to us about that situation because that was such a big moment, such a big game, and you're a rookie, you make this this big play in the game. Did you guys have a feeling that was going to work? Did you you feel pretty good about it going in? Like, What was your, your thought process when you had that that big-time onside yeah. kick? Yeah, well, number one, I would, I would hope that everybody thought it was going to work yeah. or else I don't know why I would call that. Uh, number two, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – it was a tremendous opportunity. Uh, we really hadn't played super well in the first half, and we were only down 10-6. So we kind of came into the locker room feeling like, okay, we're kind of fortunate to be where we're at. We haven't we haven't done what we hoped we would do. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we'd practiced it only for a few weeks. It was the one way we thought we could steal possession from Peyton Manning. I know originally they had looked for a fake punt, but they kind of that year were very conservative on their punt return team and. So there wasn't really an opportunity to do that. And so this was the idea we came up with and it just worked well um, um, with the way I had kicked off that whole season was always from the right hash to the deep right corner. So teams would cheat over. And so doing the swing back to the left yeah. was the, the right call. And, um, you know, it, it certainly didn't go exactly how we thought it would go. Um, we we kind of missed blocking um, uh, Hank Basket, who had a chance to recover it. But, you know... Football is an imperfect game. And at the time, I want to say that the chances of recovering that for the 
with the way the kickoff rules were at the time, it was about a two-thirds chance of recovery. So it was actually not a foolish bet statistically. And, um, and so we knew that. So my last thing I told myself before I hit the ball was, this better go 10 yards. Like, just give us, you got to give yourself a chance. It may not go perfect, but you got to give yourself a chance. And, and I did. And um, guys, guys all were rallying and uh, it was the longest pileup ever. And, you know, guys are scratching and clawing to, you know, it's their Super Bowl aspirations of everybody under that pile. And so we were fortunate to come up with the ball and, and uh, we went down and scored and took the lead. And, and uh, even though it was still back and forth from there, I think, when we made that play, made that call, made the aggressive decision that we were not going to be dictated to in this game, it kind of just felt like it, we were going to win no matter what. And so it's been an awesome thing for me, for my career. You know, specialists, the, the, the game is so mental for specialists, and you don't always feel your best. You don't always have the confidence that you'd like to, you know, you don't share that with it, with too many people. But you just kind of go through these ebbs and flows and being able to lean back on times where you've gotten it done in big moments and been able to calm yourself. It's, it's, it's always something you can remind yourself of that you, um, that you do have the ability to, you know, get yourself into the right mindset. I love that you gave us the two thirds uh, percentage chance on that. This is a big stat driven podcast here. So you're really very cool. Really I'm a numbers in. guy. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get along great. That's perfect. You're fitting right in right away here. So <laughs> a couple of things I wanted to ask you about here. Uh, first, you and your wife started the, what, uh, what you give will grow Founda foundation charity yep. back, back in 2014. Can you tell us about the goal of that and what you guys have done so far with it? Yeah. Uh, we're kind of in a transition right now with that. Um, obviously not being in new Orleans. Uh, I say not being there, not playing there. And, um, and also COVID has sure. kind of shut down a lot of things there. But we basically, it's given us the ability to be very reactive with some real needs in the community uh, when they've come up. Um, our donor uh, donor base has been great. And um, our uh, people that are giving of their time, our volunteers are like ferociously uh, involved. And so it was an awesome thing. Uh, it's like anything, uh, when you give of your time or your money or your resources and you're really in, in it for the right reasons, it ends up being such a blessing to you just outside of all the things you're doing. It, um, exposes things that you didn't know were an issue in your community. Um, it gets you to meet people that are going through like difficult things. And, um, it's been a real blessing for me and my wife to be able to do something, uh, I know there's needs everywhere, but in New Orleans specifically, there were lots of things and it, just to be a part of it and be a part of a group of people that all, you know, were wanting to give of some resource, time, energy, money, whatever. Um, we just had a really nice family of people that, you know, we all got together and did some good stuff. And, um, Anyways, love being a part of that. Yeah, it's awesome. Plenty of, plenty of opportunities down here as well to get yeah. involved in the community. So also an author as well. Uh, what can you tell us about the middle school rules of Thomas Morstead? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I am officially an author. Uh, the writer, uh, Sean Jensen, who did that book, um, he is the real author. Okay. And, um, yeah, you know, I – so whenever we – the Saints played the Vikings in the playoffs in 2000, spring of 18. It was the 17 season. And I kind of had a unique thing happen to me in that game. I, I uh, made a tackle in the first part of the game, and I tore some cartilage in my ribs and, you know, got reported that I'd broken my ribs in the game. And then uh, we came back, and we thought we'd won, and then they hit the Minnesota Miracle and went on. And 
we had to come out for the extra point, and I was the first guy out on the field because two-thirds of the guys were in showers probably. or You know, they were already in towels in the locker room. They weren't coming back out. So I came back out, and a Vikings fan's you know, started donating to our foundation and we ended up raising like three hundred and some thousand dollars. And so whenever all this money started pouring in, I just said, wow, we're really blown away by this, you know, nice gesture by all these people of Minnesota. I said, you know, if we get to a hundred grand, I'll come back up Super Bowl week and I'll give the check out to the hospital up there <clears throat> on that one. Crazy. And so um, I interviewed with all these people, uh, Media Row and Sean was the last person I interviewed with. And he is a reporter up there. And he had showed me a few of his books on his uh, middle school rules of so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, he sent me a few copies of different people that he'd done books with and was asked if, just asked if I'd be interested in doing one. And I said, yeah, sure. I, you know, I don't know if you're trying to sell a bunch of books or not. I mean, I'm not like some <laughs> big name in some big market. And he just said, well, you have an interesting story and I think it would be a great book to write. And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. So we did that together. It was really cool. Unfortunately, we released it right when COVID happened. So we did nothing sure. as far as, you know, what you would normally do when you release a book. But um, it was a great experience and it's a cool thing to have um, for my kids. And uh, we'll donate to schools and stuff down uh, in New Orleans here and there. So it's a cool thing. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, it's yeah. a great opportunity. And like, you know, rough couple of years, like you mentioned, for the pandemic and everyone kind of getting back from that. So hopefully yep. things are looking back up now. So speaking of that, now you're here with the Miami Dolphins. Last question for you, Thomas. What's the one thing you're looking forward to most about this opportunity? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I don't want to say this with any sort of arrogance because I, I certainly don't view myself that way. But um I'm looking forward to, you know, you get a little older in this league and you start to get a little ageism kick in. And um, and I'm looking forward to validating uh, to myself, um, you know, this will be hopefully my first full season with a team now in a few years uh, because of what happened last year. So uh, I'm just excited to, to provide value. I'm excited to, um, you know, you may have, you know, a lot of, Sometimes fans don't understand the value of punting uh, or certain plays in, in the game where hidden yardage really matters. And um, when I met with coach, uh, the head coach here, uh, Coach Michael, he he just said that um, this was going to be a huge part of our plan was uh, field position, and we have a, uh, you know have had a good defense and hoping to continue that. And um, and that just that's very exciting to be a part of that. And I'm excited to kind of prove uh i'm i'm excited to prove this team right for uh give me a shot great stuff thomas morris that new dolphins punter appreciate yeah. it man thank you thank you so much appreciate it and there he goes. What a great sit down that was with new Dolphins punter Thomas Morstead. Let's go ahead and take our last break here on this edition of the drive time podcast. We'll come back and put a bow on it. All right, we are back here on this edition of the drive time podcast, the Thomas Morstead edition of drive time going to go ahead and wrap things up here keep it locked right here though because we have so many draft preview content podcasts coming your way and some exciting content with some scouts sitting down chatting with them plenty to come here on the drive time podcast in the meantime that is going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl you can follow the dolphins at miami dolphins across all social channels check out the fish tank podcast and our weekly twitter spaces show every wednesday at eight o'clock with me, Seth, and OJ. Check out the YouTube channel for the availabilities for Dolphins Today and the Drive Time 
sit-downs with Thomas Morstead. And of course, last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, Daddy's coming home.